Welcome, everybody. It's halftime of the LaSalle versus Newman Goretti basketball game. And it's Bob Long here with the Villanova Basketball Report. It's a weekly show that we do talking about Villanova hoops and going through the biggest matchups, the keys to each game, and the week that was. We have a very special guest here this evening, Derek Gerberich of Stathouse Analytics. He's created his own statistically-based, analytics-based website that breaks down everything from D1 to D3 basketball, the advanced stats that are kind of driving the way the game is going forward. And we thought a great opportunity to bring Derek on and uh, discuss everything that he has that he's working with on the site. So, Derek, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Bob. Really appreciate you having me. Well, it's our pleasure, and I think we're all going to get a little bit of an education here. And uh, let's start with Villanova versus Butler. It's tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock p.m. I know that you have put together a pretty in-depth preview of what we're going to expect in this game, and uh, I, I, I'd open the floor to you. Um, how, how do you go about beginning to evaluate a basketball game, and what advanced statistics do you start to uh, evaluate as, as you're working through that you know, proposal, prediction, etc.? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say um, another big game in the Big East on Tuesday night, and and where we start with that is just we take a look at an overall team capsule um, and compare the two the two squads between Butler and Villanova. I call it out for this game in particular because um, if you do take a look at some of those numbers, their statistical profiles are remarkably remarkably similar. Um, so what you're looking at, it, if you're if you're seeing their offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency numbers, that's their points scored per possession and, and points allowed per possession. You subtract those two, and you get their overall efficiency marks, which are exactly the same at at you know 0.091. Um, so very very similar on on a possession by possession basis. And then even if as you go across the board, they like to play at the same pace about about 3.8 possessions per minute in the games that those teams play, um, shooting threes and, and even the three-point percentage that they give up to their opponents is, is very similar. The one thing that jumps out to me is the free throws they give up to their opponents. Um, Butler's sitting there at 251 on the season, about 60 higher than Villanova, and I think in a game that, that we would think would come down to the wire here, uh, a couple additional free throws from, from Villanova could be the difference. Very, very interesting stuff there, Derek. And one thing that, that I found very interesting as I looked through this is um, the, the pace. And I'm looking specifically at the, um, the Nova versus Butler efficiency ranking throughout men's D1. You know, the, the pace, 3.812 for Butler, 3.77 for Villanova. I understand that Villanova has slowed it down a little bit more than last year, and that's driven by a number of things, but I'm sure a big part of it is the four guys that left for the NBA. But what does that 3.77 number mean relative to Butler and relative to, say, the top team in the country versus a team that has, has a low number? What, what does that number actually tell us? Yeah, so that's just measuring the number of possessions that are that are in a game and then divided by the minutes played. Um, so it's really looking at, at um, not just individually, say, how fast Villanova is trying to play, but I think it's a better measure of how well they're able to dictate the pace because, you know, maybe Villanova w- would say hypothetically want to play faster or slower, um, but the opponent 
also has something to say. So, so we take a look in aggregate of all the games that that team has played and how many possessions are happening each minute of the game. Um, 3.8, 3.7, I'd say, is pretty middle of the road. Um, sometimes you'll see at the top of uh, the top of the NBA teams up at 4.4, 4.5, uh, and then certainly some below there. But that that's what it's really trying to measure. Let's take a look, if we can, at the five-player combo that you put up with Villanova. Um, you mentioned you have this green um, circle going around that the top lineup in terms of a plus-minus is Gillespie, Booth, Bay, Pascal, and Samuels. Um, I guess I'm interested to know, uh, you know, that that's relatively starter-heavy, probably except for Jermaine Samuels, although he has started at times this year. You know, what does that tell you, both from the numbers itself as well as applying it to the games you've seen Villanova play this year? Yeah, so what that's telling me is that that's a lineup at least so far. And, and to clarify there, Bob, those numbers are just in, in Big East play. Okay. Um, that, that Jay Wright is certainly able to trust. And, and one lineup that's con- are consistently produced when they've been on the floor in, in those five games, plus 29, 37 minutes. Um, you know, if I was Butler in this situation, that would be the lineup that I'd be keyed in on and, and attempting to stop as, as that's what's driving a lot of Villanova's success. Um, and once you get beyond that, you know, if, you, if you're seeing down that, down that list, it, it is much more of a mixed bag. Well, when I think about it, I'm glad you made that clarification about Big East play because I look at that and most of those lineups are, you know, are going to include, especially the ones that are you know, doing relatively well from a plus-minus, include Eric Paschal, include Phil Booth, and also include um, Colin Gillespie. And those are the three guys that I think have carried this team. It's interesting, though, Derek, they made a change shortly after the, their first Big East game uh, against DePaul where they took Colin Gillespie off the basketball a lot more, and they would put uh, Phil Booth on as the point guard. And you've seen Colin Gillespie excel as a spot-up shooter, not that he was doing poorly as a point guard. But now I think the the entire uh, offensive scheme has kind of changed a little bit and given Phil Booth more of the keys to the car. Uh, my question would be is how would, how would you think that that could start to affect the numbers that Villanova is looking at as, as the season goes on, and how does that – uh, change the way the, the kind of the analytics can measure uh, things like that. Yeah, for sure, it's a good point, and I think um, the impact of a move like that is where does it move everybody else to as well. So you, you mentioned Booth going to the point guard spot, um, maybe Gillespie more of a natural fit at the two, and I think the thought becomes okay, who was playing the two before? Um, and who was who is potentially getting some of those additional shots that are now going to Gillespie? Um, and what, what we do to measure that a little bit at Stat House is we take a look at individual players when they're on the floor, and and what is the team's overall offensive efficiency um, with said player on the floor. So um, if that lineup shuffles somebody else out of the lineup by chance, um, you know what is the impact on on Villanova's overall offensive output? based on that switch, and we can, we can measure that by how the team performs offensively when certain players are on the floor. Yeah, and it's something that we, we will have Derek on, by the way, on uh, Wednesday night for the formal Villanova basketball report. This is a halftime edition before LaSalle versus Newman Gretti. And by the way, you can follow Derek on Twitter at Jerry Stathouse. That's Jerry Stathouse and StathouseAnalytics.com. Now, that guy that's moving off the two, and I'm glad you went there, 
is Joe Cremo. He's a guy that you mentioned on your offensive efficiency graphic, which we have on the screen right now, 1.1, I assume that's points per possession when Cremo is on the floor. Defensive efficiency, yep. Cremo is, is the worst. And uh, I believe that that's a full season graphic because Cremo has not had nearly as much time on the floor. Um, he is shooting 40% on the year, but he is 2 for 13 from beyond the three-point line since the Big East uh, play started. So I'm wondering if, if that's kind of what you're talking about there um, when you mention you know, adjusting for those variables and who moves where when there's an offensive switch. And if you think, based on the numbers that were generated in the non-league, um, versus what we're seeing in the early stages of the Big East Conference, you know whether Joe Cremo is kind of that odd man out. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's exactly what I'm talking about, Bob. Um, you know, I, I think before any decision would be made, if, if if Joe Cremo was going to see less minutes or was going to be the man shuffled out, and you're looking at the at all of those numbers and the non-conference numbers there and saying well, what are we going to do? You know, clearly shuffling him out helps us defensively. What are we going to do to replace his offensive production? You know, I think that's certainly consideration the staff could be making there and say, we know we're going to lose offense. Maybe the switch of of Gillespie and Booth makes up for the offensive production, and we can shore up our defense as well. Derek Gerber, on with us here from Stathouse Analytics. Now, I want to get back to the Butler game as well because, again, that's tomorrow at 7 o'clock p.m. This is a Nova versus Butler preview. You mentioned Lavelle Jordan uh, seeing something uh, about his, his team and not necessarily putting out the starting five that's most uh, conducive or, or produces the best stats um, uh, from an off- offensive-defensive efficiency perspective. Why do you believe that is? And then I'll take you back a half step as well and, and have you explain generally what you mean by Butler seeing a lot of production out of its bench um, but but not necessarily deciding to put some of those players into the starting lineup. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you look at sort of Butler's rotation so far in Big East play, and it's a similar graphic to the one that we had up with Villanova, um, there's no green circle on the top. This time it's, it's, it's the red box. And that's actually Butler starting five that, that played 42 minutes so far in, in Big East play. And they're a minus 11, you know, a stark contrast to Villanova's top, top used lineup. Um, and really what, what I'm seeing or, or what Lavelle Jordan is doing there is he's, he's actually getting a nice spark from his bench. Um, when he's bringing Jordan Tucker into the game and a little bit too with Nate Fowler um, to go. And I don't know if you want me to go any deeper into that, Bob, but um, if you look at even their individual plus minus um, the top two individual plus minus players for Butler so far this season have been Jordan Tucker and have been um, Nate Fowler, uh, which, which is, which is not common that a team would sit, would have, their two top individual plus minus guys not in the starting lineup. Mm. No, it's very very interesting, and you know you, you mentioned that it might be something where we expect Butler to kind of dominate the middle ten minutes of, of each half, as the starters probably won't play every single minute of, of every you know of obviously of both halves. So 
Uh, can Villanova dominate the early stages? Can they hold on as Butler has more depth on the bench and, and bring those guys in in starters' minutes? It's a very, very interesting concept. The entire site is absolutely amazing. Uh, Derek Gerberich, I appreciate you spending some time with us here. I know we're going to have a, a full, long-form interview with you on Villanova Basketball Report Wednesday night here on BLS. So appreciate you being with us, and uh, and hope everybody enjoys the second half. Derek, we'll talk to you on Wednesday night.